the house of the Lord tonight. Praise God. Amen. We are going to have a phenomenal time together. You picked a great night to be at church. And you know why that is, right? Because every night's a good night to be at church. Come on, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. You may be seated. All right, well, we will be getting into our announcements here. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that our missions team left for uh, their trip this morning. They're actually in Houston tonight, uh, staying the night there, uh, meeting up with a few more people that are going to be going with them. And then they're flying out uh, in the morning to Honduras. And so keep them in prayer. Uh, they're very excited. They're going to be doing a lot of uh, work down there. Um, uh, they're going to be doing some construction work for one thing, but also running a vacation Bible school in the local community and lots of other good things. But my dad texted me a picture, uh, and I didn't see how this was necessary, but they're at like one of the best steakhouses in Houston tonight. And I'm like, what? What? I thought you were roughing it for Jesus? Anyway, so praise God. Uh, they're having a great time, though. I'm just I'm playing with them. They had to get some steak in before they headed down. So, you know, if you've been to Texas, that's not a bad idea. Anyway, let's move forward. I'm sorry I'm getting distracted again already. So uh, tomorrow night is Servant Leadership at 7 p.m. next door in Victory Hall. And if you're like, well, what's that all about? Servant Leadership is for those that are uh, currently serving or uh, just want to get even more involved in the church and kind of help us with some of the uh, projects and events and the planning of things that we have going on. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, we already had a Harvest Fest planning meeting. And so we are trying to stay ahead on everything. And uh, so that's tomorrow night uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. And so we just want to let you know about that. And then, of course, this Sunday is one of the most epic, incredible, intense days of the whole year. What day is it? It is Father's Day, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. And so uh, I'm just telling you right now, men, you do not want to miss Father's Day at HDWC. We are taking it to a whole other level. Amen. Guys, are we excited? Okay. All right. Let's, that didn't work. It's, I'll, I may try that again later. Just giving you a little heads up. We may go back to that later on. So uh, a gift for every father that is present uh, this Sunday. So if you're a dad and you're here, we have a gift for you. And of course, we will continue our annual tradition of the worst dad jokes available on the market. Uh, and so just, I'm telling you, be here. You don't want to miss out. It is going to be a celebration of the dads. And and uh, with all the joking aside on that, I think it is incredible to note that there are some very godly, good men in this church and in this community that are raising their families for the Lord. And that right there is something to celebrate. Amen. All right. And then one more announcement. Uh, and it's this is that membership class is coming up, ladies and gentlemen, on Sunday, July the 9th from 4 to 7 p.m. Now, we'll have a sign-up sheet here in the coming weeks, but uh, if you are not a member and you would like to be, or maybe you've been here for a little bit and you're saying, you know what, I think this is my home church and you're ready to put down some roots, well, we would love for you to do that. Membership class is a night where uh, we take the evening to uh, kind of go over some of our core beliefs together, share some of the church history and some of the uh, vision for the future. And I always got to throw this out there, snacks are provided. And so I'm not trying to like, you know, 
enticed you into you know becoming a member here but this is a church that does believe in snacking and so i think that's something you may want to note uh if you're just kind of still trying to make your mind up so just write that down all right praise god well that's the announcements for now we're gonna have more coming uh, up in the future we're working on some plans right now but anyway it's gonna be a great summer at hdwc all right who knows what time it is now Amen. It is happy time. And you're like, well, what's happy time? Well, 2 Corinthians 9 says that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we're saying, hey, if God loves a cheerful giver, I'm going to be really cheerful about it. If you need an envelope for your tithes or your offerings, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you're going to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And we're going to open our Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, I'll be in the New Living Translation here. And so we're going to look at a, a story of Jacob tithing. And, you know, I like to look at scriptures of people tithing outside of the Mosaic Law to really see the heart of it. And because so often, especially in our day and age, people are like, well, that's just old, old, that's, that's the law of Moses. That's the law of Moses. And sure, tithing was definitely a part of the law of Moses. But one of the great things about tithing is it was also before the law of Moses because Abraham tithed, Isaac tithed, Jacob tithed, hundreds of years before the law of Moses was introduced. And uh, as my dad showed Sunday, all the way to the book of Hebrews towards the end of the New Testament, we are encouraged to tithe. So Genesis 28, we're going to look at verses 20 through 22. Genesis 28, we're going to look at verses 20 through 22. It says, then Jacob made this vow. He said, if God will indeed be with me, and protect me on this journey. And if he will provide me with food and clothing, I'm gonna stop right there. Who in here tonight could say that God has indeed been with you on the journey? Amen. Has God protected you on the journey so far? Has God provided you with food and clothing on the journey? Yes, he has. And so Jacob says, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. Now look at verse 22. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. Here it is. And I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. Now, Jacob made a commitment and made a promise to God, listen, I'm going to give you a tenth of anything you give me. I'm giving a tenth right back to you. Now, nobody forced him to do this. Nobody threatened him to do this. Nobody twisted his arm to do this. He did this because it was his heart. And I know this much, when the Lord has a hold of your heart, it's no issue to want to obey him. It's no issue to want to honor him and it's no issue to tithe why is that well this verse plus many others show us yet again that obeying god and specifically in the area of tithing and giving is not a money issue it's a heart issue and if god's got a hold of my heart man I, hey whatever of mine that he wants i'm saying you can have it lord do you want a tenth fine do you want more than that fine i just want to love you and honor you because i know this much i would have nothing if it weren't for him and so that's where jacob was and he said hey anything you give me a tenth is going right back to you lord i want to honor you amen and so that's a little bit of why we do what we do even to this day all right let's stand up together and we are going to speak some words of faith over our giving this evening. And you're maybe thinking, well, you know, why do we do that? Well, the New Testament tells us that anything that is not of faith is sin. And so everything that we do in life at church, we wanna do it by faith, even our giving, we wanna do it by faith, amen? So let's speak these words together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar for praise and worship if you'd like. And let's sing to the Lord together. We're rising up from the ashes And no longer bound by chains And you gave your life for our freedom We're rising up from the shadows Your glory tore through the veil And now we're singing your praises Cause we are free, we are yours To God be the glory in the river you turn our sorrow to joy and now we're singing your praises cause we are free we are yours to God be the glory Praise the Lord. All of creation, lift up his name to God be the glory. To God be the glory. All of creation, lift up his name to God be the glory.
is your faithfulness unto us. We praise you tonight and we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we want to live our lives for you, Jesus. We understand we could never pay you back. We could never do for you what you've done for us. But Lord, we want to live our lives for you and give you everything. Lord, I pray that tonight as we get into the word of God, that you would speak to each person here. I pray that we would have soft hearts to receive the seed of the word of God and that we would have ears to hear, Lord, what you're saying to us. We love you and we praise you this evening in Jesus' mighty name. Did everybody say amen? Amen. amen. All right, praise the Lord. You can be seated this evening, hallelujah. Who's excited to get into God's word for a few minutes here? Amen. All right, Justin is. I mean, I don't, someone else better be. All right. Hey, let's do this. We're going to have a great time. And, uh, you know, I was praying about what we should discuss or what we should talk about tonight. And, uh, you know, I, 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 this came to me. Uh, uh, just, we've taught on these lines before, but I knew that it was, uh, it was something the Lord wanted us to share tonight. So uh, the title of the message is this, Ways to Amaze Jesus. No, I didn't, I didn't intentionally rhyme, it just kind of happened, but it's ways to amaze Jesus. And if you study the four Gospels, you'll see two specific areas uh, where it says that Jesus was amazed, or that he was astonished, or that he was just flat out surprised. And, uh, and so I, I'm thinking, man, if there is a, any possible way to amaze Jesus, or to impress Jesus, I want in on that and I want to be able to do it. And so really one way is the wrong way to amaze Jesus and the other way is the right way to amaze Jesus. And so we're going to look at several stories in uh, the Gospels this evening and I believe that the Lord is going to speak uh, to us. And again, uh, Jesus said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And so, does anybody in here have ears tonight? Okay, you got these, and then you have spiritual ears as well, amen? And that's what we want to be opened, all right? And so, way number one, number one way uh, in the Scripture uh, that you can amaze Jesus is to have a strong unbelief. Now, I'm sure nobody in here wants to fall into that category, although I'm sure we have at some point or another but there are literally some people here in Scripture, I'm going to show you that their doubt, their unbelief was next level. Now, sometimes, you know, uh, we may struggle a little bit to, to really uh, fully believe or click in on one of God's promises. And, you know, everybody struggles with some doubts. We get that, right? And we know through Scripture how to overcome the doubts. But... We're going to look at some people that it was beyond that. They just flat out did not trust or believe in what Jesus was saying. And so let's open up by looking at Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, amen? Anybody want to learn from the Word of God tonight? And I have found out that in any, uh, with any category, with any scenario, there's always the right way. And then there's the wrong way, right? And you can learn from both ways. You know, oftentimes we can learn from somebody's mistakes. Uh, and and uh, hopefully we don't repeat those mistakes. And we can also oftentimes learn from our own mistakes. Has anybody in here, you made a mistake and you learned from it and you never did it again? Who in here has had a mistake and you didn't learn from it and you repeated the same mistake. I've done that. Yeah, we've all done that. And so, uh, hey, you know, as, as the old saying goes, fool you once, shame on you. Fool you twice, fool me twice, shame on me. I don't want to get fooled twice and I especially don't want to fool myself twice. But Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look here at verses 4 through 6. And what we have in this story is Jesus going to his own hometown. He's going back to Nazareth. This is where he was raised. And, and so he's been going about the countryside from town to town, village to village, place to place, doing miracles. He's been, you know, uh, the blind have been healed. The dead have been raised. Demons have been cast out. He has just been 
feeding the poor. He's been doing miraculous, wonderful things everywhere he goes. And so I'm sure if he had like a, you know, a, a, a calendar of his tour that he was on, he probably had Nazareth circled like, oh man, if it was good over here, I can't wait till we get to my hometown. It's going to be off the charts. The people there, I mean, my friends, my family, they're going to show up and support me. I believe that we're going to see the biggest miracles ever. But just the opposite happened. It was the worst place that he went to. And so Mark chapter 6, looking at verses 4 through 6. And so nothing happened there. And then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, in the original Greek of that, it says literally these were people with minor ailments. And so other places, he's raising the dead. He's, you know, restoring sight to the blind. And basically here, he couldn't do any of that, except maybe a few people got healed of some minor things. I don't know what those things were. Maybe colds, stomach aches, bad attitudes. Who knows? Some people need healing from that. Amen. And then, but look at verse six, okay? Verse six. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed. Now, I'm sure that Jesus had encountered unbelief. I'm sure he had encountered skeptics. We know he had encountered people that weren't exactly cheering for him. But in this particular case, the scripture points out, it highlights the fact that he was absolutely amazed at their unbelief. And he even goes on to say, hey, you know what? I should have seen it coming. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. Now, there's so many lessons out of this story. Uh, I'll try to grab a few and, and then move forward. But one lesson is this, is that if there's going to be a miracle take place in your life, there's several ingredients to a miracle. One of them is, well, you've got to be in a bad situation or else it wouldn't be a miracle that you made it through it. So, you know, uh, there, there's one ingredient to a miracle. But uh, uh, another part of the miracle is, that God provides the power because we certainly in and of ourselves don't possess the power, okay? So God's got his part, but clearly you have a role to play also. What is your role in the miracle? It's to believe God and have faith. God's got the power, but you've got to plug in to the power. That's your role. And, and, and how do you plug into the power? You have faith and you trust and you believe God. Because if, it, if the only part of it was just God's power, I mean, there wouldn't be any hurting people. There wouldn't be any sick people. God would just come in and force his miracles upon everybody, whether you liked it or not. Because we know he doesn't want anybody to, you know, be suffering and, and all. We get that. But check it out. There's a massive role to play on our end. And our role is to believe and trust God. Now, some of you know my story, um, but some of you don't. So when I was three and a half, I was diagnosed with leukemia. I had been a healthy child up until this point in time, growing up in the countryside, running around playing with my brothers and sisters. And uh, I just started getting really sick all the time. And, and after a while, like I couldn't walk anymore. And, my, and literally, I just lost the ability to walk. And so my parents get me in there uh, to the hospital and they run the blood and they say, you, you know, he has, he has leukemia. And so they took me from the local hospital and admitted me to the children's hospital in Indianapolis. And uh, I was in there for a while, but, you know, I won't go into all the details, but certainly it was a miraculous healing. Uh, I hadn't walked in a long time. One day I feel something pick me up off the doctor's bed and place me on the floor. And I took off running through the hospital. There were nurses chasing me, doctors chasing me. And they, they grabbed me and they took my blood that day. And the night they had taken it before bed the night before, it was full of cancer. They took it that morning, uh, you know, 12 hours later, and it was 100% cancer free. And, and it was insane. And it was a miracle from God. But you better know <laughs> that my parents were not messing around with trusting God on this thing. They were so, they were so serious that 
to some people it would come across as rude, but they took it serious that my life was on the line and I thank God for it. And in the end, they received the miracle, but they, there's no way you could say that they weren't trusting God. They weren't looking to the Lord. We did all the medical things necessary. I still have the scars on my back from spinal taps and things like that. And I've got some scars through it all, but in the end, the miracle took place and they trusted God when other people were like, no, 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 this is crazy, but it worked, right? And so listen, when you trust God, you're gonna look crazy to other people until it actually works, <laughs> amen? Until the storm comes and you're inside of the ark and they're out there looking in. All right, I just thought someone would get excited about the word. No, that's all right, it's okay, it's, it's fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So, you know, Jesus said this. He said, a prophet is honored everywhere except amongst his own people. Have you ever realized that when it comes to your faith, that sometimes the hardest people to get on board are those that should be closest to you? Your own family, your own friends, they liked it better when you were crazy. Right? You know, my dad tells a story. He was, other than my, my great grandma, my dad was, he was literally the first person in the Samples family within our realm of influence to, to give his life to Jesus. And so we come from a very long line of alcoholics and pretty much terrible people, all right? And so anyway, uh, hopefully none of them are watching online tonight, but uh, praise God. So my dad gives his life to Jesus. And before that, you know, he'd been an alcoholic, he'd been in trouble, he'd been through all this stuff. None of them cared one bit. They didn't care. The second that he gives his life to Jesus, quits drinking, quits wasting his money, quits doing crazy things, all of a sudden his family literally stages an intervention. Bernie, we're very worried about you. You are not acting like yourself. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're concerned now because he quit doing all of that, but you were okay with it when he was doing all of these things? Why is that? Because listen, the hardest people to get on board sometimes are the people that know you the best. And don't think that that's a unique problem to you. Even Jesus himself dealt with that. Jesus had family issues. You know, we talk about this sometimes, but you look at it, even John chapter seven, Jesus was, uh, he was gonna go to the festival of shelters and his own brothers were giving him a hard time. They're like, hey, Jesus, you ought to go down there to the festival where there's a bunch of people, then you could really show off who you are. And, and the scripture specifically says right there in John seven, I think it's around verse three, maybe four, but, but it, it says that they were mocking him because even his own brothers didn't believe in him. They weren't saying it as a compliment. They were literally roasting and making fun of their big brother, Jesus. And again, if you've got family issues, if you've got people that aren't on board with your faith journey and your beliefs, well, guess what? Welcome to the club, brother. Welcome to the club, sister. That is the way that it is often. But here's the deal. You don't let their unbelief, you don't let their whatever rub off on you because they don't hold the key to your miracle, do they? Their opinion doesn't matter. I don't care what they think. They can think I'm crazy and people thought my parents were crazy, but guess what? That I was you know, three and a half then and now I'm 37 and I'm doing great and in perfect health. And uh, it's, it's not because I exercise or eat well, it's just, you know, praise God. But listen, listen, they received a miracle and so many people in this room have too, why? Because even though everybody else is like, no, stop it, let go of that, you're crazy. No, we trust God, amen? No matter what everybody else says, no matter what they think, we trust God. Let's look at Mark chapter eight. You're already there in six, just flip over to Mark chapter eight, amen? And so, you know, oftentimes I have found this out. If, if you ever wanna annoy religious Christians, and let's just get real, sometimes you do wanna do that, amen? <laughs> How do, you, how, how do you annoy them? Well, you have really strong faith and actually believe that what the Bible says is true. Because I found this much out that so many times, you know, I could be around someone that's super theological and homiletical and blah, 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 blah. And you just read something simple, simple out of the Bible. You know, uh, I don't know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
yes, brother, it does say that, but you've got to realize that in the original Greek and blah, 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 and if you put it in this light, and if you interpret it this way, then blah, blah, that means you actually can't do that. Like, what? How, I would much rather just read the Bible and believe it and watch God do miracles in my life. Amen? And so you're dreaming. Well, if I'm dreaming, don't wake me up because I'm having the time of my life, man. I'm seeing people get saved in this church. Amen. We're seeing people get delivered from addictions. We're seeing marriages restored. And if you're telling me that he can't do it, you're too late. Amen. Because we've seen him do it. So Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look here. Uh, at, uh, so Jesus had to deal with unbelief from his family from his old homies in his hometown. And here he is with his own disciples, his own disciples. And you would think like if anybody would just trust, it'd be these guys. So Mark chapter eight, and we're gonna look here at uh, verse 16. And, and if you're not familiar with this story, they're, they're crossing to the other side of the lake and, uh, and Jesus tells them to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. But look at verse 16. It says, at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Okay. And, uh, um, well, let's finish this. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Like, whoa, Jesus, you're kind of escalating this situation a little bit. Uh, verse 18, he says, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Like, whoa, we struck a chord right here. Well, why was Jesus so upset about them worrying about having bread? Well, look at these next verses. So don't you remember when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. And so why was Jesus so upset about them worrying about not having bread? Because Jesus has literally fed over 5,000 people in one instance with bread. He's multiplied bread, I mean, beyond anything we could imagine in that instance. And then an entirely separate occasion, he fed over 4,000 and multiplied the bread again. And he's like, you guys have seen me feed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. And you're seriously going to sit in this boat with me right now and worry and complain and, and, and be in fear about not having enough bread. Do you see how silly that really is? When you've seen the Lord do something miraculous like that, and then you're in a much minor situation again, and you're like, man, I don't know. I, I just, hey, you know what, man, I, I don't know what to say right now. The irony of this is incredible. Jesus is the master of multiplication when it, I mean, they've seen him do it with bread so many times. And it's easy to look at the disciples and kind of point and make fun. But then if I look at my life, and I'm sure if you looked at your life, there's probably been times when the Lord, let's say, did maybe a financial miracle for you, something big. And then later on down the road, you're in need of a financial miracle again. Yet we have the audacity to be like, oh man, I just don't know this time. I don't know, man. This is a bad one. What are we going to do? I don't know how we're going to make it out. And the Lord's sitting right there saying, don't you remember <laughs> the last time when I did a miracle and brought in the finances for this situation? Of all the things to worry about, you're really going to worry about that? And you've seen me do this in your life before? I remember one guy I worked with in Oklahoma, uh, he had been healed of a, I mean, a miraculous healing from lymphoma cancer. But all the time he would, he would walk around just, you know, man, I've, I've got, uh, I've got a bad, I've got a bad cold this time. I've got a bad flu this time. And I just don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, finally, one day, this other lady at the place is like, wait a minute. Didn't God like heal you of stage four lymphoma cancer? 
And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, couldn't he just heal you again if you got sick again? And he's like, well, I don't want to just assume that he would take care of me again. And I'm like, brother, sign me up on the assume list because I do assume that God is going to take care of me. I do assume that he's my healer. He's my provider. He gives me peace. He gives me joy. He takes care of me. And I absolutely believe and assume that he's going to do it. Why? Well, it's called faith. Amen. It's called faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so you may be facing a bad situation right now. Uh, Maybe it's even one that Jesus has helped get you out of before. And yet sometimes we sit there wondering, what are we going to do? Well, here's an idea. Call on Jesus like you did the last time. Right? Call on Jesus. If he brought you bread the last time, he can do it again this time. Amen? And so he can bring bread more than once. You know, it's not just like a one-time thing. Like, no, you've already used up your miracle for your life. You don't get it anymore. You know, you, you, it was a one-time thing for you. No, Jesus, amen. He is well able. He is more than able to take care of every situation that we could ever even face. But you have to trust him. And if you want to really amaze Jesus, there's two ways to do it. One way is to have an impressively high amount of doubt and unbelief. And the second way, which is hopefully where we would all like to fall into is this. Number two, if you're going to impress Jesus, have strong faith. Have strong faith. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 10. Matthew chapter 8. Verses 5 through 10. And man, Matthew 8 is just an incredible chapter for the topic of healing. And I, I read it often. But Matthew chapter 8, the, nearly the entire thing is story after story of Jesus healing. And I love it. But this story right here that we're going to look at is the story of the Roman centurion. Has anybody heard this? And so uh, the Roman centurion... Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 5 through 10, and then we'll look at verse 13. But it says this, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come in to my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Woo, that is some faith. Look at verse 9. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, here it is again, second time, he was amazed. He was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now, this story, it it gets me. Well, to, to close it out is verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. So once again, we see Jesus had the power, but somebody had to believe. Jesus, and if you look at so many of the miracles in the four Gospels, Jesus constantly says, because of your faith, it has happened. And I don't know, he just, he never says, because of my power. And we do know it was his power. We know that. We're not discounting that. But he nonstop points out that the people believed and trusted God. And so right here he says, because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. And so... Notice how Jesus said back in verse 10, he said, I haven't seen faith like this even in all of Israel. So this man, this was a Roman. This was not a a Jewish person. This was not somebody that they expected to see faith out of. I mean, these people were the enemies of the Jewish people. And Jesus is just astounded that this guy is like, you know what? I'm not even worthy 
don't, don't even come to my house. I'm not even worthy for that. Just speak the word only. I love how the King James phrases that. He says, speak the word only. What a powerful situation. And so my, my dad has taught me in life, man, if I'm in a bad spot, what do I do? Speak the word only. Speak the word. Complaining about the problem, that certainly doesn't fix it. Talking about, you know, all the negative things that could potentially happen, that doesn't fix it. Speak the word only and watch what can happen in your life. Oh my goodness, what a strong amount of faith right there. And, and so when you're living in faith, you can trust God even before you ever see the answer. That's what this guy did. He's like, just say the word and it's as good as done. That's faith. Believing without seeing. And so many people, they're like Thomas. They say, I'll, I'll, oh yeah, hey, hey, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not faith. You don't need faith to believe that something has happened or something exists when you've already got it. It takes no faith for me to believe that I'm holding a Bible in my hands right now. Why? I'm literally actually doing that. I, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm believing because I mean, I, I'm holding it. It's physical, I can touch it. But listen, when you pray a prayer and you release your faith, you were just as convinced that the answer is yours as if you were already holding it in your hands right there. And so another major step of faith is this, is when even before you see the answer, even before you have received the miracle, you just start praising God as if it already even happened. And again, religious people will be angry. Your family will think you're crazy. Well, what are you praising God for? You still, the problem's still there. You know what? I am, no, 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 listen. Hey, listen, Jesus, I've already told him about it. It's as good as done, amen? And so if you wanna start seeing some breakthroughs, just start praising God as if it already even happened. Watch what'll happen in your life, man. Breakthrough. I'm not turning there, but you, Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 26, you've got the story of Paul and Silas in prison, right? And so they've been beaten, they've been put in the in stocks, and, and they're bleeding and they're bloody and they're a terrible mess. They start praising God, even while they're locked up. Then what happens? An earthquake comes and shakes. Now listen, after the prison doors were open and they were free, everybody wants to join in. Then everybody wants to shout and praise after the miracles already happened, but the people of faith were doing it way before then, right? You know, you look in Joshua chapter six, you get the story of uh, Joshua and the battle of Jericho, right? And, and so they were told to shout at the top of their lungs on that seventh day before the walls ever even came down. Those are the people of faith. They may be facing a giant wall, a giant obstacle, but they've got so much faith in God, they can raise their hands and shout and praise while the wall is staring them in the face. Everybody else, they see the wall come down and, wow, it actually happened. Praise God. Well, good for you, man. Welcome to the party. We've already been praising God for like a long time over this situation. We, we welcome you in, but really it doesn't take faith to get all excited and praise after the giant has already fallen. And so if you want faith that amazes Jesus, you gotta be able to believe before you even see the answer, before it's even within the realm of possibility, you gotta be able to say, hey, just, just, just speak the word only. And I know it's as good as done, Jesus. And it amazed Jesus. He hadn't seen anything like that. Let's look at 1 John chapter five, amen. 1 John chapter five, but when you're living in faith, you can trust God even before you see the answer, even before you see it. So hypothetical question, what if someone like Elon Musk came in tonight and, and he just wrote you a check for like $10 million and handed it to you? Like, whoa, right? You'd be dancing, you'd be running, you'd be, you would be celebrating. And, and, and why? 
Why would you be celebrating? Because you don't know. You haven't cashed it. It hasn't cleared the bank yet. You have no idea if this is a joke, if this is a... Why would you rejoice even before you saw the money? Because you know this dude has the goods to back it up. Why would you run and dance and shout when you just simply read a promise from God's word even though you haven't even seen it happen yet? Because you know that this man has the goods to back it up. Jesus is not writing bad checks. <laughs> Amen? He is writing checks that he has got the resources to cash. Amen? And so if, he said, if he's writing you a check that says, hey, this is so your family can be restored. You ought to shout. You ought to get excited and say, yes, amen, I believe it. And someone would say, man, you don't even know if he can do it. I know he can do it. He's got the goods to back it up because I've seen him do it before. Amen. I've seen him do it in so many other lives. And I've got promises from his word like Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And so when you've got the word in your heart, my goodness, some big things can happen. And so, did I say First John? Yeah, First John 5, verses 14 through 15. Now, here's a verse that I've often seen make certain people angry. It says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Okay, but look at verse 15. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Whoa, whoa, that is a big statement right there. It literally says that he will give us what we ask for. That's incredible. And, and, and you know, here's where there's so, many, so much debate over scriptures like this. I'm like, well, no, he won't give you what you ask for. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll simply, he only wants to take care of your needs, right? If it's a need, he will provide. God simply doesn't care about your desires. He simply does not care about your wants. You have no promises concerning those. Well, we do have promises concerning our wants and our desires. But here's the thing. We can see right there that it tells us that if we are asking according to his will, amen? And so how do we ask according to his will? Man, things in the Bible, if it's in the Bible, specifically the New Testament, man, God wants you to have it. And you are asking according to his will. And that's something that we ought to get a little bit excited about right there. You ought to praise God in advance. I heard a story from Dr. Barclay, uh, a really incredible story. He was in, a, he was in a, an emergency financial situation. I don't know why I keep talking about finances tonight. I don't usually do that, but... Someone must need to hear it. So he, he had an emergency financial situation and he, and he needed, I forget what the exact number was, but it was a very specific number. And so I'm gonna say it was, it was like $65,890, something very specific that he needed. And so he took it to the Lord. And again, this wasn't a frivolous thing so he could go on vacation, like they needed this or you know they're gonna have to shut some things down. And so he takes it to the Lord and Lord, this is what we need for the ministry or else you, you see, well, we're gonna have to shut some things down. And so he takes it to the Lord, but then he specifically pointed out, I just started praising God because I considered it done. I took it to my father. I considered it, it was as good as done. And so he starts praising the Lord for it. And literally like two days later, he gets a phone call out of the blue. He didn't tell anybody specifically what he needed. And brother Copeland calls and says, hey, do you need $65,890 by Friday per chance? He's like, uh, yeah, why? He's like, oh, the Lord, I was praying the Lord told me that you needed $65,890. We've already wired a check your way. Just want you to know it's coming. And so you can expect it by, you know, by this date. And he's like, whoa, praise God, amen. Well, I don't believe anything like that could happen. Hey, guess what, brother? If you doubt it, you can do without it, amen? Because I believe God, and if he can do it for him, he can do it for me because God has no favorites. He's no respecter of persons. He loves me just as much as he loves Dr. Mark Barclay. He loves you just as much as he loved the Apostle Paul. He loves all of us, amen? But those that see the miracles are those that start to actually trust and believe 
what the word of God is saying to us. And so I'm challenging you tonight, man, that if you are in a situation where you need a miracle, hey, praise God, you've already got one step out of the way. You're in bad need. There's one part of it, amen? And then now we just got, we got the power of God and we know that he's gonna do his part. But then my role is to trust him and obey him. Because sometimes in the situation, God may tell you to do something specific. You know, sometimes he, he would tell uh, the leper, hey, go, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, he had to go do that part before the miracle came. Maybe God is telling you, hey, I need you to go do this over here. All I know is, hey, when I obey him, when I trust and when I obey, good things begin to happen. Amen. And so there's two ways in the New Testament where it specifically says that Jesus was just amazed. One of those times is when the people just had an extreme level of unbelief. And the other time is when the Roman centurion had an intense and extreme level of faith and belief. And that's the category that I want to be in. I want to trust God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close things down there tonight. Praise God. I, I, I hope that we've encouraged you a little bit. And... Uh, and brought some faith into your heart. Let's go ahead and stand up together. You know, we are told in Romans uh, 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard the word of God tonight. And so faith is coming into your life. Amen. We have to trust that and believe it. Well, if you're here this evening and you need prayer for anything, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up tonight. We'd love to trust the Lord with you and, and believe that, that God is going to work in your life for whatever your situation is. Uh, I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in worship for a few minutes here. But if you're here and you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you and believe for you. But if not, like we taught on Sunday, release your faith for those that do need some prayer. Amen. Let's go ahead. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. standing on your word a calling heaven down to earth and you will fight my enemies and this will end in victory and I will believe it I will believe it Cause you make mountains move and you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls i will speak to my fear i will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now you were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. And I know that I know you never fail. Yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. 
I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. Songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. Because you make me. songs of praise to shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now Everybody receive from the word of God together this evening. Amen. And so who wants to amaze Jesus? Three, four, amen. All right. Hey, who wants to amaze Jesus by your intense level of unbelief and doubt? Okay. Who wants to amaze Jesus by your crazy faith? Amen. All right. I'll take that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close things out. We want to remind you that we have servant leadership tomorrow night at seven. It'll last from seven to eight. And that's kind of your chance to, if you're looking to get a little bit more involved and, uh, and uh, you know, maybe help out a little bit more, hey, praise God. And I also want to just get it on your calendar. That membership class will be July the 9th. And, uh, and if you're still, you know, not sure about that, hey, praise God. You get some time to, to pray about it, but we love you and we're glad you're with us. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. And then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, we absolutely, we want to please you. And Lord, you said in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it's impossible to please you. And so, Lord, we know that we've got to have faith. I pray that the word of God tonight uh, has, has strengthened us. It has encouraged us. It has, uh, it has motivated us, Lord, to dig in even deeper and to trust you. And we know that we're going to see incredible things happen in our lives as we look to you. Lord, use us the rest of this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. All right, let's speak some faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love 
joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Sunday and tomorrow night if you dare.